And we thank you that as we draw near to you, you draw near to us. I thank you that you make yourself known through your word to each heart, each mind tonight. That wherever you want to do a work, Holy Spirit, we give you permission in us tonight. We pray, have your way. Have your way tonight. We thank you for Pastor Tony. We thank you that you've anointed him to bring the word tonight. We thank you that your word never returns void. That means it's going to accomplish everything you set it out to accomplish tonight. We thank you for freedom. There are people who here tonight who came in chained but will leave free in Jesus' name. People came in feeling unwell, they'll leave well in Jesus' name. People came in feeling anxious and afraid and they'll leave with peace, knowing they are loved by God. We thank you for your peace that surpasses all understanding. Lord, we love you. We worship you. And we thank you. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. For your son. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. And we thank you that we can stand in your presence tonight. Boldly and confidently. Without shame without any guilt, without any condemnation. You've invited us and we're here. And for that, we're thankful. We lift up any need in this house, anyone struggling, anyone going through a difficult time, we lift them up to you, Lord. And we thank you that answers will come, that your arm is not too short. Hallelujah. Everyone said, Amen. Let's give Jesus a hand. Amen. All right. Awesome to see you all tonight. Who's excited to be in church? Yeah, hands going up all over the place. All over. Wow. There's only like a couple of you didn't put your hands up. <laughs> Hey, it's good to see you all. My name's Dorian, if I haven't met you. We're in for a great night. And uh, just before we invite Pastor Tony up, just a few announcements. The kids have already, they're, they're running into that room. So the door's about to close and it's shut. So if you want to go into that room, please use the room around the side. We try and keep that door closed to just minimize the, minimize the disruptions. It's for kids aged four, four and up. So if you're new here, you've got a kid four and up, they're welcome to join the kids program. And um, we're on again Wednesday night, 7.30 in the room downstairs. Uh, Pastor Rabs will be preaching. So you're welcome to join us for that. But um, yeah, who's, who's excited to hear from Pastor Tony tonight? Yeah, he always brings 
a word in season for us. So we thank you, Pastor Tony, for preparing and for feeding us with God's word tonight. Can we stand to our feet to honour Pastor Tony as he comes to bring the word? Are we on? Are we on? Welcome. Let's pray. Father, we thank you tonight. This is your meeting, Lord. Jesus is Lord over this meeting. Holy Spirit, have your way. You are the teacher. Let us not leave the same as we came in. Let your word speak to us. That the freedom of Christ that dwells in us be a fragrance that it would emanate to this world. We thank you that we sit at the feet of the cross. And we thank you for the finished work of the cross. And we lift up that name that was above every name, that name of Jesus. Prepare our hearts, Lord, that we may receive. We thank you for your wonderful grace and mercy. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Welcome. It's exciting to be with you this beautiful Sunday. It's not so beautiful outside, is it? Especially after last Sunday. But we won't go there. We won't go there. It's about the Lord, amen? Everyone good? Everyone excited? Three people, awesome. Last week, I just want to touch on last week. Um, because We were just discussing about the enemy has been disarmed. And we spoke about how Jesus, when he went to the cross, and he uh, disarmed principalities and powers, and he, and he won the victory at the cross. I think uh, Rabs and I are in a total agreement that if we don't understand the cross, everything else is a waste of time. We have to understand what Jesus did on that cross. And we come from different backgrounds and we come from different places and we know that, yeah, Jesus died for our sin. And we study a bit further, we know that Jesus died for our sickness and our disease. And Jesus took the curse that we might become blessed. And he took our poverty that we could be, you know, richly blessed. And we can go through all those scriptures and we have done many times. And in Colossians, we read, you know, in Colossians 2.13, just a, just a quick recap. It says, and you have been, that you were dead in your trespasses and uncircumcision of your flesh. He has made us alive together with him, having forgiven you of all trespasses, having wiped out the hand requirements that were against us, which was contrary to us. And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to a cross. Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them. And we spoke last week about the two things that he wiped against us was guilt, the guilt that we walked in, and the law that was written against us. Jesus fulfilled the law. The law is holy. The law is blameless. You cannot change the law. The law of God does not re remove. Jesus said, I didn't come to remove the law. I came to fulfill the law. But the law that was against us, the requirements of the law, the written requirements speaking of all the ordinance against us. And we said this last week, if you're not a Jew, you're not under those covenant laws. We weren't in that covenant blessing, but we're still under the curse of Adam. And I often say this, people say, well, you know, oh, what should I pay for Adam's sin? I go, well, don't pay for Adam's sin. Have you sinned? Well, you're going to pay for yours. But thank be to Jesus that he came on that cross and took my sin and your sin and paid the biggest penalty of all. Amen? 
So what was against us was obviously what we had trans transgressed God's laws. We broke God's laws. And the biggest thing that we walk around is guilt. You don't need to know the Ten Commandments to know that you've broken law. Your conscience condemns you. So the thing that Jesus removed was the guilt by redemption through the blood. And the second thing he abolished was the law unto righteousness. Law is good. Thou shalt not kill. Doesn't change. Doesn't make it better because you're under grace. Grace is not a cover-up for you to live your life and say, God's forgiven me. A lot of people are going to hell because of that teaching. Grace is the unmerited favor of God. Does he understand we have issues? Yes. Does he understand that we fall? Yes. But to, to justify your life by living according to the lust of the flesh and the pride of life and say, I'm under grace, you're in deception. Because the grace of God is to empower us over our sin. It's to forgive us and, and to redeem us because of his unfavoring grace and mercy. And it's also to empower us by the power of the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? So that's the, 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 the two areas that we discussed last week. And I said that when he triumphed over them and made a public spectacle, uh, we, we spoke about in the old days, and Paul was a Roman citizen. So when he talked about the armor of God, he used a Roman centurion's um, war outfit to explain the helmet of salvation and the, the breastplate of righteousness. And, and you know that analogy. He also talked about here um, about how Jesus paraded them. Where did he parade the principalities? What happened in hell? When he went and died on the cross and went into hell and took the keys of death, hell, and the grave and won the victory. But remember, we said death could not hold him. Amen. And he paraded them in the unseen world. So he disarmed them and then he made a public spectacle of them. And we use the analogy of the Roman soldier who goes out to conquer an enemy. And when they win, they would bring him back to the city and they'll put a chariot with a beautiful blue, a white horse, blue horse, white horse. And they would tie up all the, the enemies from, um, from, the, from, the, from the crusade or the war. And they would parade them around the city. And they'd go for weeks. And they'd parade them and show the people that we won the victory. We've disarmed them and you have nothing to fear. And made a public spectacle. That's what Jesus did in, in the unseen world. And it's interesting. We read scriptures like this in Colossians. And I'm going to share something about that parade, which I was learning this week, which I didn't know. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me about something else, which I don't want to jump the gun because I'm, I don't want to wreck my whole message. Because it's a good message, I promise. All right, it's not a bad message, all right? No. But, but the heading was, what now? Or now what? So he won the victory. And I've been doing this for 20 years. I've been born again 20 years, like September 22nd, 5th. Whatever you say. 27. And I've been ministering for about 10, 15 years. And we are the greatest people to declare that we're free when a bunch of people are not free. We are the best people to say that we've won the victory and we walk in absolute defeat. We're the greatest people to say that we got the truth and we never walk in any truth. And what I'm trying to say is there's all one thing to declare the headline that we are set free, but too many people walking in, in bondage. And haven't known that they are free or haven't walked in the freedom or haven't been, as Paul says here in Colossians, established in the freedom in Christ. Let's go to Colossians uh, chapter 2, verse 6. We'll go back a bit here. And I want to share this with you. So I want to share how free you really are. The freedom 
People say, oh, I'm free to do whatever I want. No, that's not what the freedom is. I was a slave to sin. Now I'm a slave to righteousness. In other words, I am free not to do the appetites of the flesh or the world or the way the world wants me to be free. I'm free in Christ. Now, I don't know about you, but I know that when I first got saved and they taught me faith and I had faith and I saw God move and, and everything. So my prayer life or what I prayed for was for me. And I was told that's, that's okay. God gives you the, the desires of your heart. Until I realized when I knew his desires, he gives me the want to desire what he wants, not what I wanted. And I thank God that God never gave me all the desires of my heart because it would have destroyed me. But we need to understand that we are established in, the, in what Jesus did at the cross, the finished work of the cross. Can, can I say it this way? Anything you receive from God has to come from the cross. It has to come from the finished work. So without a cross, there's no resurrection. Without a resurrection, the cross is pointless. Are you with me? It's not heresy. Jesus went to the cross, but if he stayed in the grave, we are dead in our sins. But thanks be to God, death could not hold him, amen? And he rose. And in Colossians 6, 2, 6, it says, As you therefore have received Christ, Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him. I'm going to stop right there. It doesn't matter how much scripture you confess. And it doesn't matter how many times we lay hands on you or you lay hands on someone. If you don't walk in Christ, you're nothing but a religious bigot that knows Scripture and doesn't work it out. Here, the first thing he says was, therefore, if you have received Christ Jesus, the anointed one of Israel, the Messiah, so walk in him. Verse 7, rooted and built up in him and established in faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Many times we get invited to people's houses to minister or and over the years, and we want to have a fellowship, and we go to the fellowship and whatever. And I love fellowshipping. I love meeting up with different people, even if they disagree. I love it. I love people. But it's interesting when you go into these environments sometimes and you see um, we're coming here for fellowship and we sit down, and I hear nothing but what the devil's trying to do. I hear nothing about how bad their life is. I hear nothing about you know, the strongholds they're fighting. But I very rarely hear how the victory of Calvary that they talk about. I very rarely hear that they're established in the love of God. I very, very rarely hear the thanksgiving of their life. And it's a sad place to be. Now, I know at different times, I remember getting invited to this lady. She was a believer. And her kids were teenagers and she was married and none of them went to church. And she's telling me how the fight she has, the struggle she has being a Christian and no one else is a Christian or nominal Christians or traditional Christians. So I went there and I went in there pretty cold, but we went there to, to, to meet the family. And I could see there's a wall up and there was standoffish and I got there and I didn't have to observe for about 10, 15 minutes how much this woman has destroyed this family. And after a while, I sat there and I'm listening to her, the way she talked to her husband, the way she talked to her kids, the way she talked. And I said to myself, this woman has absolutely destroyed any testimony of Jesus in this house. So after we sat and chatted and got to know them all and things, things got better, you know, because obviously she's brought me. And you have to understand this lady, a lovely lady, but I'll tell you what, what she wanted, what she had, I did not want. So I don't know, imagine how their family were going to receive Jesus based on her. 
So after we finished, we had, you know, met everyone as we we're leaving. She goes, what do you think? What strongholds in my house? You know, what demons in my house? I said, you. She goes, what? I said, the biggest demon here is you. I said, everything that came out of your mouth was judgment, condemnation, and hell. And there was no love of God, no freedom of God. They don't want what you have, and neither do I, sweetheart. She wanted to kick me out. She wanted to bash me. That was me, not Rabs. Oh, that was me. All right. Normally, <laughs> we can understand. <laughs> Joking, you know. But my heart broke because she supposedly knew scripture and she did. And she knew all these, she knew all these covenants and all, and she did not understand the love of God. She could not honor her husband one second. She her kids just rolled their eyes every time she spoke. And it broke my heart that she was supposed to be the testimony of Jesus in this house. I wanted to go run, 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 run. But isn't it a sad place that if you have received Christ Jesus, walk in him. A lot more will be received about, uh, let me rephrase that. Those who have kids will learn by what they see and more than what they're told. It's learn more than it's taught. They see you walk. They see how you walk. They will walk. Remember Jesus said to the, the Pharisees, he says, to the, he says, do as they say, but don't do as they do. Like what they were saying was right, but don't do what they do because they do the opposite. And if we're rooted and built up in him, established in faith as you have been taught. Now, I like this one, as you have been taught. Paul's not talking to novices here. He's not talking, today I'll talk to you, um, and I don't know everyone here, there's a lot of new faces, but for those who have been here a while and listening to our teaching uh, Rabs and I was teaching for the last four or five years. What have you been taught? Or was the Holy Spirit teaching you? Have you been established in what we have been teaching you? You see, it's great to say, come, good message, Pastor. I love it. Praise God. But I don't get no joy because you said, oh, I preached preach a good message. I only get joy when there's change in your heart from the message. So I don't get any joy when you say, what an awesome word, Lord. I'll get encouragement and so does God when you the word starts to change you when I start to see your walk change and to to to, to, to clarify that I have seen people's walks change there's people in this room that came in there broken and they're starting to fight the good fight of faith they may not be where they want to be but they're certainly going forward further than what they were see the word of God has to change you but it's it's it's, it's reliant on you to understand okay Jesus won the victory what do I do with that now I want to be established in his love. I want to be established in his mercy. I want to establish in his grace. And I always want to walk around with thanksgiving. Imagine getting something from someone and it doesn't say thank you. Imagine God who died on the cross for you and we have no thanksgiving in our heart. It's always about what we don't have or what the devil's doing or what I'm going through. I had one day someone come up to me for prayer years ago. And she was in a relationship that she wished she hadn't been in. And she'd come up for, for ask for advice. We'd give her advice. She'd do the opposite. And she'd come up for prayer every week. And finally, I had to say to her, listen, God will not be mocked. You reap what you sow. Don't come up here crying every week and going back to that relationship that you shouldn't be in. God can't bless this function. God won't bless this function. Does he stop loving you? No. Is his mercy there every morning? Absolutely. The blood's there crying out for you. But you are doing contrary to what he's Spirit wants you to do, and you know that. So stop coming up here for prayer and trying to get a magic wand to feel better until you go back to that relationship. I'm sorry, but God can't bless that. 
because she hasn't been established in the love of God. See, I can give you an excuse right now why I shouldn't be preaching now. I've been having this issue in my chest all week, coughing, and all day I get up and I just thank him for my healing. Many excuses I can have. You've got plenty of excuses why you can't come to church on Sunday or on Wednesday. The excuses are plentiful. And Paul's starting to say here in Colossians 2.6, now this is before he says that he's disarmed principalities and power. So he's doing a teaching. If you go back to Colossians 1, he says that Jesus is the exact representation of the invisible God. He is the visible of the invisible. All things pertaining to life is in him. All things that are made through him. We don't have a, a savior that's got no power. We've got a living savior that's got all the power in the world, amen. Everything was created through him and for him. Look at this, verse 8. This is a big one here. And some people uh, sometimes are trying to find out someone's put a spell on me or, or someone's, a lot of the times that you are looking at the devil trying to get him out of your life, it's actually you and your flesh. Look, it says here, verse 8. So verse 7, let's go back. Let's be rooted and built up in him and established in faith as you have been taught abounding in him with thanksgiving. Now, Paul says now, beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to what? The traditions of men, according to the basic principles of this world, and not according to Christ. You see, tradition in itself is not bad. All right? And some things that we do in the world is not bad. But he says, beware that they don't cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit. In other words, you are looking for something to solve your problem. And it's not, if it's not in Christ, there's no solution. Did someone say amen? See, the traditions of men, tradition doesn't mean my traditional way I do things in my family. Traditions are any system built up over years that you do without even asking. According to the basic principles of this world and not according to Christ. And it's interesting, he doesn't say Jesus. He says Christ. Many people follow Jesus, but no one knows the anointed one, the Christ, the Messiah. Christ meaning the anointed one who broke the yoke, who took everything. Jesus, the man, was anointed by the Holy Spirit and he became the Messiah. He was the Messiah, but he was anointed to be the Messiah. And only the Messiah, the anointed one of God, could break the yoke of the enemy and destroy the powers of darkness. Amen? He says, in Christ. And then look what he says in verse 9. This is what I want you to understand today, if anything is that for in him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In him, speaking of Christ Jesus, is the fullness of the Trinity, the Godhead. And look what it says in verse 10. And you are complete in him who is the head of all principalities and powers. So let me ask you a question. If we go and unpack that again, which I won't. But if I'm in Christ, any man be in Christ is a new creation. No longer I live, but Christ lives in. And the life I live today is in the faith in what? In the Son of God. And in him is the fullness of the Godhead. And if the fullness of the Godhead, it's if I'm in Christ and Christ is in me and he's the head of all things, what do you got to worry about? So what is it that you're not established in? What is it that you allow in the enemy? See, the only power, the enemy has power. Don't get me wrong. This is not saying that the devil has got not. The devil has been defeated and it's up to us to establish the defeat on this earth. Why? Because Jesus won the victory. But what is God doing in your life? 
If you're not established in what he's done at the cross, you're not established in his love, you're not established in the... If you haven't even got thanksgiving in your heart, guess what? You'll be deceived. Because today, you're walking this walk, and tomorrow, a new doctrine will come. You know what? He's right. That's what... And they go, and they, we sway to every wind and doctrine. We're not stable. We're like the wind. We just get blown, tossed and away. And God wants us to be established. Look at another scripture about establishment. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17. Because I'm afraid that we're living in 2022 now and there's, there's no shortage of messages, is there? You cannot say in this world that you've never seen a Bible or scripture or a sermon. I reckon there's like one million sermons a week go out on the internet. So everyone's got the word. Bible's on the click of your button on your phone, you have a Bible. So the issue is not getting the word, it's being established. In the word. See, until we get off the pedestal and make God our, Jesus our Lord and not ourself and commanding Jesus to do what He, what we want him to do for us instead of asking God, what would you like me to do for you, Lord? I'm here to serve. Ephesians 3.17 says, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you be rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints, which is the width, the length, the depths and the height, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Here we go again. In order for you to have the fullness of God, and we just go back to Colossians 2.9 where it says, for in him dwells the fullness of the Godhead. And they both say the same thing. You have to be established and built up in the love of Christ. Does that make sense? Does it say anywhere here that you need to give money, tithe, attend church, all these are necessary. But here he's saying, have you been established in the teachings of faith that what Christ has done for you and his love for you? And that way when you're surrounded and here it says rooted and grounded. The other one says to be built up and to be rooted and built up in him. What's that mean? The, the, when you plant a, a seed, well, even if you get a tree and you plant it, what happens? The roots go in deep, don't they? And then there's nourishment for the tree and it grows. We're, and then, and, and it's built in deep into the roots. We know that the word of God gets sown and, and, and we know that analogy of this, this, the sower. The establishment of your faith is up to you, not God. Christ has gone to the cross. He's given us his word. He's given us his grace and the power of the Holy Spirit. What are you doing with it? Because the Bible says you that are in him establish yourself, built up in him, walk in him. Is someone getting this? Is that my job? Is it Ram's job? It's your job. See, you have to have thanksgiving. You that have been taught have to receive. You have to establish your faith. You have to build yourself up on your most holy faith. The other day I was half asleep. I got home from work and I was just wasn't feeling the best. I was just praying in the spirit, laying down. And I just, I don't know if I fell asleep or woke up or I was both, you know, I talk in my sleep, so don't, sleeping or awake, I still talk. And this, I don't know, I don't know, it wasn't conscious what I was asking God, but it was just in my spirit, I don't know. And I just, as I was laying there, I was sort of semi-conscious uh, and I was, something rose up and it was like I was speaking, but I wasn't speaking. And I said, just a really simple question was, what if it's spiritual, Lord? Just like that. I don't even know what I'm talking about, but what if it's spiritual? 
And I just, it was like God spoke bang. It's like the milk of the word came. The, just the, the pure simplicity. And he said, pray in the spirit. What about if it's fleshly, Lord? So I was asked two questions in between there. And it was just, I didn't speak it. I just know that I was thinking it. But it just, it looked, it felt like it came out of my body and the words came back to my body. But I said, what if it's spiritual, Lord? He goes, pray in the spirit. What if it's fleshly, Lord? Fast. Just like that. And I'm thinking, I know that. I don't need to be told that. But sometimes the milk of the word is so precious, eh? We want deep revelations, hey. We want deep, we want to go deep, deep, deep undercover. You know, we want to we want to work out the Illuminati down the road, what he's doing with that. And we haven't even worked out the fundamental principles of God yet by saying, fast and pray. I've been teaching it for 20 years, but for whatever reason, God, my spirit asked a question. If it's spiritual, pray in the spirit. If it's the flesh, fast. Pretty simple, eh? And it's up to us to not be deceived. Remember people saying to me, that's it, I'll never be deceived. I go, you already are. When you say, I'll never be deceived, you already are. Your, your prayer should be, Lord, pray that deception doesn't knock on my door, that I don't take heed to it. Because many people better than me have been deceived. Why? We're not, we need to be established in his word, established in his love, established in his victory. And I guarantee you, listen, if you listen to me, the principles that we've been teaching and the faith that we've been teaching and the teachings and Wednesday, if you haven't watched, listened to Wednesday's Meeting of Rabbits, go back and listen to it. It's very powerful. But it's, it's very simple but powerful. And it's something that we need to get a grasp of because a lot of your problems will fall away if you can establish yourself in who he is. You don't need a magic wand. There is no such thing as a magic wand. I've seen people come and have an encounter with God, do backflips and do out and get demons cast out of them, get filled with the Holy Spirit and never saw them again. And their life is worse today than it was when they first came. Because they're not established in the things of God. They're not planted in the things of God. They don't understand. But they get swayed with every elementary thing. They'll, 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 their, their, their peace is gone a minute. The news comes out and says, oh, petrol prices are $2.50. Interest rates are going up. And we get established in the world's principles. It's never established in the things of God. But that's your job, not mine. Your job is to receive and to put into practice what God's given you. And you know what? It's You've got to be prepared to believe outside the norm. In other words, faith, you get, oh, I'm cruising, everything's good, but that's not faith. If something is easy, you don't need faith for it, do you? Do you? It's when things are hard. So you're tested when things come. When I'm cruising now, things are good, life is good, and until a challenge comes or a headache comes or a, a bad announcement comes or a bad report from the doctor comes or you lose your job or things didn't go to plan or you even made a mistake, then you get tested. But if you're rooted and grounded and established in who he is, you won't fall because he has got you. Amen? Ephesians 3.17 and Colossians 2, speaking about the same thing, that the fullness of the Godhead dwells in you. Let's go to Colossians 1.18. I know I'm going all over the shop here. But I want to establish a foundation today that you may know. When I spoke to the Lord in my heart this week, and I, and I pray and I establish a message, I always start off what I think I want to preach, and then God takes you another direction. Because 
you need to hear what he wants you to hear, not what I want you to hear. You see, for me, how many believers have been taken out or been uh, oppressed because of their thinking pattern? What they're thinking, what they've established themselves in, what they believe to be true, which is not true. That's the biggest problem in the body of Christ today. We think that we've got total control of every situation. No, you don't. God is in control. You might be going through some situations that you don't understand. And there's two things that you do. Blame God or you say, well, it's my fault. But either way, you're still not in control. Anything you're in control of is what you believe. What are you prepared to believe? What are you prepared to put before the Lord and say, oh, I'm going through this whole almighty mess. Lord, how do I get out of it? Where are you taking me through this? What am I establishing? Amen? In Colossians 1.18, it says, and he is the head talking about Jesus, head of the body, the church, who is the beginning and the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the premises, or he, in all things he might have the headship or leadership. He's in charge. He's in charge. You know when Adam lost, sinned in the garden and lost dominion? Adam lost his dominion, but God never lost his dominion. Got this idea that the devil's running amok now and the devil's taken over and the world's going collapsing. Did you see the world out there? Yeah. yeah, that's why the church has to rise up. We are the light of this world. We are the salt of this earth. So what we've gone, we've gone and said, oh, well, God's lost control. Jesus, you know, I heard this funny statement once where, um, get ready, God's had enough and he's going to take over. What, he wasn't in charge before then? Well, he's not, he wasn't. Okay, what? What God of Almighty Heaven and Earth wasn't in control? Think about that for a second. If He's not in control, we'd be all dead now. If the devil had the power that you think He has, He would have left us alive. He's not here to control us. He's trying to kill us. He's the Father of all life. He comes to what? I've stood up now. He's come up. He comes to steal. He's come to steal. Kill and destroy. He's not here to come to give you a hard time. He's come to steal the word from you, your peace, your joy. He wants to kill what's inside you and then you'll be destroyed. And for years, I see him, we talk to people, counsel people, pray for people, and we say, all you've done is let him in and he's killing you, he's destroying you, and you're finished. Because you haven't been established in what he's done. We're going to be Christians that we don't need to know everything, but we need to be established in who he is. It's very important, especially now when there's every wind and doctrine out there and deception everywhere. It's, let's go back to when I said that Jesus paraded them. And I said, as I, as I said to you, it's interesting that I, as this week when I was reading, where is it? In the old days, when a kingdom fights another kingdom or an enemy attacks and that, it's pretty brutal, isn't it? They, 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 they don't just have a war and have a peace treaty. They actually, until someone gets wiped out, basically. And I shared that they parade. So when the, when the general comes back and he parades the victory, it's, it's, it's done for two things. One, to establish that we've won and degrade the enemy. And two, to let the people know of their kingdom that you're safe. 
the enemy's been defeated. Amen? I was listening and I was reading this week and I, saw, I noticed something that some of the kingdoms in the, in the Old Testament, when they would fall, they would parade the, uh, the, the victory. So they would get, whether it's another kingdom, a king or a prince or their generals or whatever, and they would bring them a time to their chariots. And, but what they would also do with the soldiers, they would chop their right thumb, their, their thumbs off, sorry kids, and, uh, and chop their toes off. Oh, wow, that's a bit harsh. Not only did they disarm them, they make them so impaired that they can never fight again. Because if you take someone's thumb off, you can never grab something anymore. He wouldn't be able to grab a sword. If you chop their toes off, they can't stand anymore in balance and walk and, and have the strength. When I read that, I went, wow, that's a bit harsh. But that's what they used to do. So not only did they disarm the enemy, their enemy, they would mutilate them so they couldn't come back and fight. And at that moment, as I was reading that little, that little, uh, it just popped up and I was, because I was searching a few things out, Holy Spirit dropped Exodus chapter 29, 19 in my spirit. No, he didn't drop Exodus chapter 29, but he dropped the story in that, in that scripture, just to make out that I know. And it's a story about Moses. And I thought, this has nothing to do with my message, Lord, but it does. When God established the priesthood, they had to kill a lamb, take the blood of the lamb, and they had to anoint Aaron and his children as priests. So he's establishing now the covenant between God and as the priesthood, Leviticus priesthood. Look what he does. This, is, this blew my mind. I want to share this with you today because today you walk out of here free knowing who Jesus really is and what you are in him. Amen. And the little, little, the little things that you're, that's bugging your life is either you have to die to it or you have to stop believing in it. But either way, you'll understand now how, how Christ has won the victory in your life. So Moses would have to come, and the, and the Bible says, I'm not going to read that whole story, but it says that Moses took the blood and he put it on the ear of the priest, the blood. Then, the ear, then he put the blood on the thumb and on the toe of the priest. That's one of the ceremonies that they had to go through. And I thought that was strange because when, he, when I read the story about how they chopped the, the thumb and the, and the toe off of their enemy, and I thought, well, what's that got to do with that, Lord? And the Lord spoke to my heart. And he says, when the priest was ordained by God, the blood represents cleansing. The blood of the lamb was a guilt offering. They put it on the ear, on the thumb, and on the toe. Then they get oil, and then they would pour the oil on the ear as well, and on the thumb and on the toe. The blood represents the cleansing. The blood of Jesus washes us and makes us as white as snow. Amen? The anointing of oil represents the baptism of the Holy Spirit or the anointing of God on your life. And they said, well, why the ear? The ear represents whenever you hear God speak, you do as he says. Be obedient to what you hear. Be careful what you hear. The thumb represents authority, represents servanthood, represents worship. And the toe represents how to walk. Your walk. What's the Bible say? Make your path straight. Walk. Keep in line. Stay on the way. Stand firm in faith. But without a toe, it's going to be very hard to do that. The thumb represents, like I said, servanthood. And then the Lord dropped in my spirit this morning. 1 Peter 2.9. Can we go there? And I want you to understand that Peter, the apostle Peter, is speaking. And look, he says, he says, is that up there? Yeah. He says, but you are a chosen generation, 
a holy priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may be proclaimed the praises of him who called you out of darkness into the marvelous light. He's talking about the believers now after the cross. He's saying now you don't need a priest anymore to go to the temple. You don't need a lawyer to take a, a scribe. You don't need all these rituals. You have the great high priest in the order of Melchizedek named Jesus, right? And as, as the enemy was defeated by chopping his thumb off and his toe off, they could no longer grab anything to hit you with. They could no longer walk straight to get you. The Bible says here that they anoint the priesthood to minister unto God. But how much more our covenant that Jesus is our great high priest who goes to the cross and he disarms principality. What did he do? He chopped their thumbs and their toes off and their ear off so they no longer can speak to you, no longer can take over your life. No one, But if you believe what Jesus done on the cross, he's anointed us, he has, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. Do you know you're a, you're, a, you're a king and a priest and a prophet in your own home? You as a believer in Christ has ordained you, and this is speaking not as in, uh, male is talking about you're a holy generation, a chosen one, a royal priesthood. A priest is ordained by God, by the anointing. Can you get the picture here? The enemy has been disarmed and disemboweled and defeated. And now you have been ordained by the anointing of God's blood through the cross of Calvary and through the anointing of the Holy Spirit. What is it left to do other than you to be established in what he's done for you? What is it? You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You're his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into the marvelous light. Our job is to believe what he has done. And if you understand that analogy that the enemy was paraded and it was, he took him around and said, this is, there's a scripture, I'm never going to find it. Can someone Google it? It says, they're going to look upon him who deceived the nation and say, is that, was that him? Talking about Satan. I want to show you something. Your problem looks big in the natural. Whatever situation, it might look big in the natural. But in him, if I'm in Christ, it looks that small. If I'm in him, established in him. I walk in him. Does that make sense? Everything looks bleak in the, in the natural. Remember this man of God came and, and he, he preached and this guy runs uh, missionaries in Mexico. And he came and preached at our church many years ago and, and these guys, are, uh, mate, you want to talk about demonics, you want to talk about witch doctors changing color and all that, that happens there. And he came and we served him and we, you know, we, we, he had a, a one week crusade and, and I was there as a catcher and all that. And I came up for prayer in the last day thinking I'm going to get this special treatment. He come up to me and says, son, he looks at me and goes, son, everything looks bleak in the natural, get in the spirit. And he walked off. What was that supposed to mean? Everything looks bleak in the natural. In other words, everything looks bleak when I look at it from my eyes in the natural sense. But if I get into the spirit, there's nothing bleak in the spirit. God's got every answer in the spirit. See, if I was to be, can I challenge you? If you step out of your own world and step into his world and be established in what he says in your life, you see things totally different. And those words ranked my heart for 10 years. 
Because as time went on, I would understand that no matter what I was going through, I always gave thanksgiving to God. I never left fellowship. No matter how bad my wife got, no matter how, how, how terrible life was getting, I never left fellowship. I was still established in him. I started, kept walking in his ways. Why? Because he's got the answer. No one else has got the answer. I'd rather be in him and crying than be out of him and dying. That rhymes, eh? Did you find it? Let's see. Yes. So those who see you will gaze at you and consider you saying, is this the man who made the earth tremble, who shook kingdoms? This is referring to Lucifer at the end. We're running around the whole world running amok. And then one day when we stand with Christ, we're going to look at him and say, is this the one that caused all the havoc? Is this the one that brought kingdoms down? Is this the one? Because everything looks bleak when you're outside of Christ. But any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. I see these things through his eyes. Now that I'm anointed priesthood, a holy nation unto God, that he's defeated the enemy. And the only strategy he has got is what I give him. See, my lack of faith or the lack of belief or my, what's, what's another word we say when we say here? The sowing to the flesh, I'm going to reap according to the flesh. And then you want someone to cast it out, but it's your one that's sowing the seed. Because I have no faith. And he's beaten him. My Bible says he's defeated. He's destroyed. Does that mean he's going away? No. He's a, a man on parole or a devil on parole. And he's going to try and come because he's the author of lies and he's a deceiver. But it's according to your faith. What are you prepared to believe? What are you prepared to believe? Are you prepared to declare the victory until you have the victory? Are you prepared to say, thank you, Lord, even though you're going through hell? Are you prepared to declare his word and fast and pray, even in the midst where you think all hell's broken loose on you? So let it break on you, but you keep walking because you're anointed. Christ has taken one the victory for you. This is a very simple message, but it seems to be very hard to walk it out because we're swayed by our emotions, by our feelings, and by our flesh. But kill the flesh. If you're dead, he can't probe the flesh. If you're dead. If you're not dead and alive to yourself, he's got you. But I want you to understand this again. Let me read this again. A holy nation, but you are chosen generation, a, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. I like that. We're his own special people. He hasn't just plucked us out of the bucket and said, you know, you'll, you'll do and you'll do and you'll do and you'll... No, no, no. He had you in his mind before the foundation of the world. The Bible says the lamb was slayed before the foundation of the world. And you're special to him. He loves you. These days I sit there and I'm just meditating on the goodness of God or, or just think, man, where, what God has done for me, I cannot understand. We will never know what he's done for us till we see him face to face. Yeah, but you get, we get to partake in what he's doing on this earth today. See, to me, it's exciting. Let the world get darker because where sin abounds, what's the Bible say? Grace abounds much more. Where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. That, that doesn't mean let's sin more to get more grace. It means when the world's going one way, we're going to go and get them with the grace of the gospel. 
And I'm praying for this lady once, and she said, my kids are into this and into that, and they're getting attacked at night. I said, good, double up, Lord. She goes, I'm not going to Amen. I said, double that up, Lord. She goes, what do you mean? He goes, listen, you're trying to protect them from everything. If they want to play a witchcraft, let them get to a point where they just run out and say, help me, mom. But we want to go get them and save them now. Pray that God gives you the wisdom. But let it get worse. You want to play with the devil? It's your fault. I remember one guy saying to me, you got to come over. Uh, I've got an issue. And this now. I said, listen, and I used to run. Now I say, they've had it for 10 years. They can wait another week. Because people want magic wand fixes. There's no magic wand fix. It's knowing who he did, what he did at the cross and you being established in it. See, it's your job to be established in the word of God. That's not my job. That's, oh, my responsibility is my own life, my own soul. God gave us a responsibility to teach you. It's his word to teach you, but it's your responsibility to receive. If you don't want to receive, that's your problem. It's not that the word of God doesn't work, but you have to be established in him. And you start seeing that if you put him first in every way, you put the word of God first, you start to see him, that you're, you're, you're built up in him, that you walk in him. This is not saying being perfect. This is saying, I'm going to be established in what the word of God says, not what my circumstances says. And then I can walk in him. And when God probes you, I want you to fast. I want you to pray. Want, this is the, these are all things that are part of your walk. This is the part of your lifestyle. This is not an event. It's a lifestyle. We walk this out. Why? Because as we walk, God starts to strengthen us in the inner man. Even though our natural man is fading, our inner man is getting stronger every day. And now I can stand firm. I can look you in the eye and say, Jesus has healed you. Jesus has set you free. Jesus loves you. Oh, but you don't know what I've done. Don't care. Jesus has done more than what you can do. Your sin is not greater than his blood. Your situation is not greater than his blood. But you need to be established in him. When you know, you can, you can tell. I can sit with someone 10 minutes to know where, what, the, what they are established in. It doesn't take more than 10 minutes to know what someone's heart's got. And the, and the sad thing is, God's given us the keys to the kingdom. God's given us the treasures from heaven. All spiritual gifts from above. But we're too busy trying to play with the dirt. Then God's just anointed us as holy priesthood. So you guys have been anointed by the power of the Holy Spirit, and you guys have been given power and authority over, the Bible says, what are you, over, if Jesus is the head of all things, then we have authority over all things, amen? In him. Make sense? So who's the problem? The devil, me, or you? I mean, not me, you. If you really go down to the crux of it all, we're the problem. We've always been the problem. Man has always been the problem. As I said, when I went to that lady's house, I just couldn't believe the stuff she was saying. And it's so sad that there was no love of God in that place. It was easy to point out their faults. Okay, well, there's faults. What is the remedy? Jesus never points nothing out. The Bible doesn't ever point nothing out. God never points nothing out unless he gives you a remedy to fix it. The law was given. Why? To show you a savior. The Bible says the law was a tutor, a schoolmaster, a signpost to show you that you cannot keep this. 
because of what's inside your flesh, what's inside your heart. But guess what? There's one who could keep it, who's going to keep it, and he's going to give you the ability to overcome it through his blood. That's the power of the cross, amen? Amen? Hallelujah. We might, uh, I want to do something different tonight. <coughs> I might get used to, we're going to share communion together. We're going to share communion in the sense that the, the guys will pass them out. I'm going to get the girls up to, to sing that communion song. So while they're singing, the communion will go out. And I want you to meditate on what I just spoke about today. But more importantly, I want you to bring to the cross any sin, anything that has bound you, even unbelief in your life that you still bring it to the cross. Because when we break bread and have communion, we're going to declare the victory of Calvary and we're going to be established in his love today. I really want to encourage you tonight. This is not a religious act. I'm not here to offend anyone, but we're here to show you that the power of the communion, the power of breaking bread as one, the power of, the, that's a, we're declaring the finished work of the cross tonight. But please, I know it's a very simple message, but we really want to, you need, you, you need to be established in him. You need to be. God gives us apostles and prophets and preachers, and I get it. So he gives us gifts, and, gifts in different areas, healing gifts and prophetic. Okay, I get all that. But ultimately, you're responsible for your own soul. And you're responsible to be grounded in that. How much more would your life change if you actually believed the gospel? How much more when you can walk in that God-given right and freedom? And then the Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee. Well, I resist him. How do you resist the devil? I'm a child of God, devil, get out. You have no grounds in my house, over my body, over my finances, over my family, over my relationships, over my nation. This is the power of the cross in you if you believe. And I guarantee you, listen to me, 20 years doing this, and I haven't had it easy. No one's had it easy. But I'll tell you now, I'm established in who he is. No matter what I go through, oh, I love him so much. If I die or I live, I love him. If I stay in the flesh or go in the spirit, I love him. No matter what happens, he's my master. So we're going <clears> to... <throat> Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. So if you want, you can bring the kids in. This will be a special time. Um, girls, can you stand up, please? Can we all stand? We're going to worship to this song, and then I'll we'll, and then I'll, I'll pray and make sure everyone's got the communion. Please, this is you and God now. You and God. There's nothing more I can give you because I'm limited. But Christ in me, Christ in you, can touch heaven now. No, doesn't matter. Whatever you want.